0: from Haifa, and welcome back to Occupied Thoughts, a podcast brought to you by the Foundation for Middle East Peace. I am Rabih Marie, a human rights attorney, a doctorate candidate at Harvard Law School, and a non-resident fellow at FMEP. It is June 2023, and I'm delighted to be here on Occupied Thoughts with Maria Zre. Maria is a street photographer and political organizer from Nazareth. She's a project coordinator with Baladna Youth Center, a Palestinian cooperative in the old city of Nazareth, an initiative which we'll be hearing more about in today's episode. In previous episodes, we've spoken with people from Jerusalem and learned about the challenges and dispossession Palestinians face in the city. We've also talked about the idea of social, territorial, and legal fragmentation. The fact that Palestinians between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, live in a fragmented territory and are stratified into different legal classes, holding different ID cards that impact the ways in which they are able to exercise their fundamental rights and relate to one another. Today, we are driving up north to the city of Nazareth to hear from Maria. Maria, like myself, is a citizen of Israel. We belong to a legal class of about 1.9 million Palestinians that hold Israeli citizenship and make up about 20% of Israeli citizenship holders. We are also referred to, especially in Arabic, as 48 eighters referring to the Palestinians who managed to survive the Nakba and remain in the Palestine-turned-Israel in 1948. Unlike Palestinians with a Jerusalem ID, West Bank ID, or Gaza ID, Palestinian citizens of Israel are ostensibly granted the most expansive set of rights that allow them, for example, to move freely, relatively, between territories as well as participate in the Israeli political system. However, a two-tiered citizenship structure still separates Palestinian citizens and Jewish Israelis, with more than 60 laws entrenching a systemic ethno-national discrimination against Palestinians exist. Most Palestinians in Israel still live in segregated and densely populated towns, the biggest of which is Nazareth. And here, Maria, I want to turn back to you after this lengthy introduction. Um, And I just want to note that this is a conversation we'll be holding in English, a language considered to be a third language for most Palestinian citizens. of Israel. So Maria, feel free if you want to drop a word in Arabic and we'll be, uh, you know, translating it together. Uh, Maria, can you first introduce us to yourself and what do you do today?
1: Yes, thank you, Rabia. Uh, My name is Maria Zrayaq. I'm uh, 28 years old. I was born in Nazareth and I'm currently based in Haifa, Palestine. I'm a political organizer or a community organizer also uh, and a street photographer. And I work as the project manager of Baladna Youth Center in Nazareth.
0: Beautiful. Maria, how how did you get to street photography? I have to ask you.
1: I actually started um, uh, being interested in photography since a very young age, since around the age of 12 or 13, I got my first uh, uh, camera. uh, And I started like taking it with me wherever I go, where I went, uh, to school, uh, to family gatherings, to just walk in the street. And mm-hmm. I took pictures of everything around me, of the the daily lives, uh, the daily life in Nazareth, uh, of my life, but also of uh, of other people. Um, mm. And since then, I I never actually stopped uh, taking pictures. Um, and I got also in, interested more into into documentary cinema. Um, mm. And this is why I, I studied uh, philosophy and fine art, but then I studied uh, documentary cinema. Um, and yeah, that's
0: it fantastic i mean how how do you do you also combine both of your um you know roles as political activist or community organizer and photographer do you do you happen to you know document um, political activism or protests or something like that or
1: i I do actually. Um, when I moved to Haifa at the age of nineteen, um, I started actually getting more and more into political organizing and uh, and taking part in uh, protests happening in the city. And I took my camera with me to the protests and I mm. documented uh, the protests in the in, in Haifa especially. Um, and this is also a very important part of my my photography practice or my street photography practice. It's documenting mm-hmm. uh, the political reality and protests happening happening around me.
0: Mm. Yeah, and and you mentioned perhaps that you also work with documenting um, daily situations, whether in Nazareth or elsewhere, wherever you go. Um, How how, do you think this everydayness that you capture in the camera um, is something that can teach us about the politics in Palestine?
1: I do think so. I I think it it can teach us a lot about the daily reality in Palestine. Uh, also for me, as, a, as someone who was born in Nazareth, uh, it would have been very different. Like my relationship with the city would have been very different if I didn't have my camera with me because um, using my camera and documenting people actually um, really um, gave give, give me the chance to to talk to people, to to have conversations, to get to know the people of my city better. But yeah. also like, um being with the camera made me actually um, really focus focus on 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 details in, in our daily lives especially because like um you know i mean the everyday can can be very very hectic uh, mm. uh, so it's like it, the camera makes you just stand for a moment and uh, and slow down and really um look around and, and realize w- what's happening around you. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. Um, I, I just want to ask you, Maria, where can we follow you on and, and see your uh, work as a street photographer?
1: Uh, mainly on Instagram right now, but I'm also working on, um, on a website to my photography.
0: Amazing. Well, I mean, I'm sure also we can delve into that more in um, other questions, but I'm just wondering now, moving to Nazareth perhaps, and asking you a bit about um, Nazareth and and perhaps in your work as well, um, you capture that in the camera. Uh, you you grew up in Nazareth. I mean, can you tell us more about the city today and how has it changed over the last 20, 30 years? First thing that comes up in my mind when we say Nazareth is the landscape, you know, and this is something perhaps that we can capture in the camera. It's on one hand, a very ancient city with um, religious cultural importance. Um, On the other hand today, it's very densely populated and suffocated by um, land expropriation that has happened uh, by Israel. Can you describe to us what's going on? How is it growing up in Nazareth and what's the city like today?
1: Of course. As you said, um, Nazareth was for a very long time um, actually a, a hub for cultural, political, and social life in, in historic Palestine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is the largest, today it is the, the largest Arab-Palestinian city in the region of the forty eight in Palestine. Um, it has a population of around um, 80,000 people today. Um, mm-hmm. and it's actually still a hub for political activism and and uh, but this is happening today in a context where Palestinians in the city are actually facing many different forms of of systemic uh, violence um and i think i can mention a few here um so as you said the the public space of nazareth the cityscape is very overpopulated mm-hmm. and this of course is mainly a result of Israel's colonial policies and practices.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, for example, North Hagalil, it's the name of the Jewish settlement, Israeli settlement that was built in 1957 on Nazareth's confiscated and, uh, and stolen land. It was confiscated mm-hmm. by the Zionist forces. Um, so the existence, for example, of North Hagalil settlement restricts the natural development of the city of Nazareth and also mm-hmm. Like it, it also restricts any any potential for the cityscape uh, development or or expansion. Uh, so, like the daily life in Nazareth feels like it feels like the public space in the city is just keep, keeps shrinking uh, with time. Mm. Um, but I okay. just want to
0: maybe say here, you know, you mentioned the uh, the confiscation of lands. I just want to maybe say to those listeners who perhaps have no clue about um the israeli land regime that in the 50s and 60s um 1950s 1960s immediately after the establishment of israel immediately you know after the 1948 nakba uh, those palestinians who remained in uh, in israel and became citizens of israel were subjected to a military regime that required them permits to move and and work etc um but also during that period mass expropriation and confiscation of land happened that really concentrated um, the Palestinians on, on, on minority, um, uh, I mean, on 3%, almost 3.5% um, of the land under Israel's control while actually concentrating 93% um, of, of the land in Israeli state hands. Many of these lands were um, Palestinian lands that were taken either by force or by law. Um, and that's exactly what, what, what Maria was talking about. I mean, this is a microcosm. Nazareth, I guess, is a microcosm to so many other stories um, where you know every family almost has a story of losing land uh, during this uh, period of time. And today in Nazareth, I mean, nofa Hagalil is, is the name of the Israel settlement built upon these lands. And basically, uh, as Maria mentioned, uh, limiting the expansion of Nazareth and making it a densely, even more densely populated uh, city. Sorry, Maria, for this lengthy <laughs> um, no. intervention.
1: I think within this context, Robia, it's important to also mention that uh, back in the 48, um, many refugees from villages, from ethnically cleansed villages like Safuri and Maalul, which are villages mm. around, around the area of Nazareth, they escaped uh, the, the Zionist forces' um, attempts of ethnic cleansing and they, they, they exiled and came to Nazareth. So this is also another reason um, for also the, the, the overpopulation because many neighborhoods um, nowadays, in Nazareth, were actually uh, st- started as refugee camps back in the forty eighth um, mm. for, for mm. refugees who who escaped um, um, their villages from the Zionists. Yeah.
0: But Nazareth, in this sense, Maria, I think, is somewhat exceptional in the sense that it has never, uh, as a city, you know, it's, as a prominent city in Palestine, mm-hmm. um, unlike Haifa, Jaffa. Uh, Safad and, and other cities uh, that were occupied, you know, in 1948. Nazareth did, was not displaced in 1948. So what you're describing is actually displacement of other nearby villages that mm-hmm. Nazareth basically became, you know, the refuge place for. Is that correct?
1: Very correct. Yeah, exactly. Mm.
0: Yeah, okay. So So... How, how you, you described a very densely populated city today with um, you know very poor infrastructure, surrounding settlements, shrinking space. What does this these conditions create for living today, for youth people, um, and ha- how do you feel has it changed really over the last 20, 30 years?
1: I think, I mean, the overpopulation is only increasing with time, of course. Um, and maybe it's also important to mention that um, there's many, many different challenges uh, and crises in the city. And uh, the, all, all, of, all of them like, uh, are connected, actually. Yeah. Um, but also, like, like you could see, for example, uh, a very clear uh, class division in Nazareth. Mm. But also, the, the overpopulation, like it, it's, it's, it's very important to, put, like, to question, who is it affecting? So not everyone is really affected by the overpopulation. I mean, I mean, most people in the city are affected, but also like, as I mentioned, there's there's a very clear class division in Nazareth and there there is um, um, the, the local elite or the local capitalists in the city uh, who mm-hmm. are actually uh, buying property, building new luxury apartments, investing in Israeli capitalist projects in and around the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, getting richer by that. Uh, at the same time, people, uh, most of the people in the city, are actually getting poorer, uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, and are 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 actually in debt to Israeli banks or in debt to to the black market. Um, so, so this this of over, this overpopulation uh, um, doesn't really affect everyone uh, the same. Uh, right. And if if you've got enough money, you're able to actually leave the city and live somewhere else, or buy a new house, or uh, you know. Um, Mm. So. You're basically
0: describing, you know, a very, very, um, you know, complex relationship between Palestinian local elite uh, Mm. that basically benefits from the status quo and perhaps from um, you know Israeli development projects or. Uh, gentrification projects in 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 the city. I wonder, you know, uh, we we haven't covered in this podcast yet um, other Palestinian cities like Jaffa, like Akka, that have undergone severe um, gentrification. Is this something that is happening in Nazareth?
1: I think there like there are attempts um, of gentrification happening in the last two years, especially. Um, mm. I think it's very dangerous. I mean, what's what's really dangerous about it is also that it's still not clear. It's under the surface, like happening uh, very quietly. Um, mm. But, yeah, I mean, um, there are attempts of gentrification, especially in the old city where where uh, where we are organizing um, where the where the youth center is um, yeah also like it's, it's like another question like about, yeah, I mean, for example the policing in the city or the organized crime this is also part of the cityscape and uh, and it's another question like who, who's who's really affected by the the police violence or the organized crime uh, the people who are most affected by this violence are actually the impoverished the most impoverished ones um, mm-hmm. and the policing in the city especially after the May 21 uprising is actually just increasing. And by policing, I mean, the physical presence of police forces, the, the presence of police stations opening uh, more and more and the, the surveillance cameras, but also like less visible uh, forces like the Shabak, the Israeli security agency or or the Israeli banks uh, and the role they, they play in policing and mass control, especially to to um, uh, less privileged people, to poor people, uh, mm-hmm. so all of these tools are actually tools of, of of mass control to the Palestinians in the city. Uh, but of course, like uh, uh, the elite in the city or the capitalists are not affected by all of that, are, are not affected by police violence or the organized crime, or actually they are, they are less affected uh, than than mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so let's turn maybe to to the work you you guys run uh, with the Baladna Youth Center over the last uh, couple of years. I believe you've helped run the Baladna Youth Center in the old city of Nazareth, as you mentioned. And uh, can you tell us more about this initiative?
1: Yes, of course. Uh, so the Baladna Youth Center uh, it was we, it was opened in June twenty one after around. A year of planning, organizing, and working to get the project ready. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the center is is located in, in a, a renovated uh, old, bin, old building in the neighborhood uh, of the old city of Nazareth, which is actually one of the most uh, systematically impoverished and neglected areas in the in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, the center is two floors. It has a cafe, a library, spots for reading, studying and working. And it is run on a weekly basis by a group of, uh, of volunteers, mainly mm-hmm. uh, that vary between the ages of 17 to mid to mid 30s. Um, and on a monthly basis, we organize uh, as a group, we organize public events, activities uh, in the center like workshops movie screenings lectures music shows uh volunteering days in the city um and you also have like for example a project that is like f- a free tutoring project uh, where where high school students give private lessons to younger uh, school students uh in order to support them in their studies at school at schools uh since the schools are also like under resourced and, and not everyone can actually afford private education and or private lessons, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. which ties back to the class structure that you've described. That is um, very uh, foundational mm-hmm. uh, to Nazareth in particular, and I think uh, perhaps we haven't mentioned, but it has something to do as well with um, the, the, the this formation of a class structure has something to do, perhaps with. Uh, the 1948 Nakba, right? For those who were already in Nazareth and those who moved in as refugees, mm-hmm. right?
2: That's very right.
0: Yeah. Uh huh. Um, okay. So Maria, wh- why why do you think um, it's crucial to to do such projects in in Nazareth in particular? I mean, what what value in particular these projects have, and why are they crucial today in the city?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think, especially today, um, like we are facing um, like this hyper individualistic uh, culture taking over. Not just in Nazareth, not just in Palestine, but also globally, mm-hmm. um, and, and it tries to weaken us as as people and actually steer steal our agency as people. Uh, against the many layers of violence we are facing from many different systems uh but and also in nazareth like we we, we are living that uh, we are we are uh, uh living under many systems of oppression and violence whether it's the uh, colonial or the capitalist or the patriarchal and uh, and i think community organizing like for me it means it means building and nourishing a sense of solidarity between the people uh, and it mm-hmm. means Relying on the power of the people and and their love and care to to one another to actually make re- like make our reality a better and and more just uh, place, um, and it also means f- fighting this hyper individual culture that that tries to weaken us. Um, mm-hmm. And I think without without community power uh, in the city and community organizing, we cannot really uh, liberate ourselves uh, as people from from all from all this violence uh, and the systems that we live under. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, yani, I think we're choosing to do that because we believe we are capable of, of making a change and we, we believe we are capable of liberating ourselves uh, as people from any mm-hmm. kind of violent oppressive system that is happening mm-hmm. in Palestine or in Nazareth uh, specifically um and we believe that every, everyone has a role in the path towards uh, justice and liberation uh, so we're trying to do our role uh, within this path uh, with as much uh, power and and love uh, and rage uh, as possible
0: that's that's beautiful and i think you know um growing up myself in haifa and growing up perhaps in As Palestinians um, inside Israel, it is always a constant um, identity struggle to, you know, or gaslighting. You're always gaslit by um, Israeli institutions because our identity as Palestinians uh, is not recognized, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. So there is perhaps, I mean, maybe it's different growing up in Nazareth being um, a completely Palestinian space. Nonetheless, you know, uh, I grew up in Haifa which is considered or so-called uh, a mixed town. um but i I, I wonder, you know, um, what what kind of importance or not, i I just think about the importance of these initiatives as a space to reaffirm this space for identity as well, or to build identity in a place that is uh, constantly trying to erase a
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I I don't know if you want to add something on that or about the projects you guys do at Beladna Youth Center. Of
1: um,
0: yeah, feel free. Yeah,
1: I think I think education is one of uh, the most important uh, one of the we, 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 that we focus on through our organizing in the center. Um, because I mean, yeah, as you said, yeah, the um uh, I mean, the the youth in the forty eight are under constant uh, attempts of uh, of identity erasure. You know, mm. so especially because our education system is is Israeli, so the education system also s- serves the, the Israeli uh, propaganda or system. Uh, so if you grow up uh, as a as a Palestinian uh, in the forty eight, and and there's no one around you. Family or friends to to actually tell you about your your history, about your origins, about the Nakba, about the reality. You might actually uh, just d- drift away from from who you are, and you might actually turn into between brackets and Israel. Um, so mm-hmm. I think
0: which is the terminology. I mean, Israel still uses today to describe Palestinian citizens. Um, you know, they they call us officially at least you know arab israelis um mm-hmm. just generic arabs you know um mm-hmm. without without recognizing our palestinian um connection or identity as if it has nothing to do um with with other palestinians and this ties back to the whole idea you know we opened this episode with the idea of fragmentation as well you know the separation of palestinians one from the other
1: mm-hmm. I I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of attempts of fragmentation, and and um, I I think we we can fight fight it in in many ways, and education is one of the most uh, important ways or or tools. Um, And I think, I mean, Israel has been trying to, especially uh, with the third with the third generation after the Nakba, our generation, Israel has. Like put millions of shekels every year in order to um, use the education system to to actually um, um, make us forget about who we are and erase our identity and turn us again between brackets into Israelis. Uh, uh, think, I think. I just. Yeah.
0: No, I just want to note to our listeners here that one of these more than um, sixty laws that discriminate against Palestinians and oppress their identity. Uh, whether by resources or otherwise, is called the Nakba law that actually prohibits uh, mainly, you know, publicly funded institutions, mainly schools, uh, from commemorating uh, the Nakba, and and this is a law that the Supreme Court, the Israel Supreme Court, okayed. Uh, so far, it has not been implemented uh, yet but it has actually created few incidents where it has uh, funding has been withdrawn or were threatened to be withdrawn and re- resulted in a chilling effect uh, that we have been seeing over the last 10 years this law is part of a wider and broader uh, legislation that has been increasing over the last uh, couple decades uh, that targets palestinian identity that targets uh, palestinian institutions schools community you know, um, uh, theater and uh, and more. So in light of this, I think this highlight even more the importance of the work that uh, institutions like or initiatives like Baladna Youth Center in Nazareth uh, that is working voluntarily to, to support or create a space that is uh, independent from state funding and independent from censorship.
2: Mm-hmm. That's very really true. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Maria. Um, before we close our episode today, uh, is there anything else you want to add um, before I also ask you how can our listeners support and keep updated with your work? Uh, we've mentioned, you know, your private Instagram or your um, street photography Instagram, but I also want to ask about the um, the youth center and how people can support that.
1: Yeah, of course. So yeah, first of all, you can follow us. Uh, through social media, uh, but also I think uh, one of the best ways you can actually support us is by staying informed about Palestine and actually making the effort, uh, as much effort as possible, to understand the complex reality of the 48 region of Palestine. Um, and also, uh, like as Palestinians, uh, Palestinian citizens of Israel, uh, we, we face uh, many. Many challenges when it comes to to funding, uh, and, and this is because of the the complex reality of the forty eight, and I think mm-hmm. this is why it's very important to try and and put effort into understanding the reality of the forty eight region of Palestine, uh, and to actually understand uh, how does the colonial regime, uh, what does the colonial regime do and how how it practiced its, its violence there in the 48, uh, and yeah, I think that's made it.
0: Thank you so so much, Maria, for uh, sharing your time, analysis, and experience today. Uh, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this episode of uh, Occupied Thoughts. Please make sure to check out the FMEP website for more resources related to our conversation today. And please make sure you also subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify. And with that, I'm Rabi Agbarie, signing off until the next episode of Occupied Thoughts. Thank you.